Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Christy Labonte as she gives the command to start the engine to her dad, Terry Labonte. Dad, for the last time, start your engine. All right, welcome into another episode of the Upspeed Podcast. Tyler Pett, Dalton Molinax, with you as always, here to talk about Kyle Larson winning. And no, you're not listening to last week's episode all over again. He's just won once again for the eighth time, this time at Texas, with only three races to go, locking himself into the championship race at Phoenix in a couple of weeks. It's crazy. I mean, look, we expected him to be in the Final Four. Mm -hmm. You know, that goes without saying, but... You know, we started out last week's episode talking about the chaos that was the Roval, and at, at one point in time, he was below the cut line. You know, and it's crazy to think that less than seven days after that, you know, he's now punched his ticket to the championship four, and, and you know, it did it in pretty dead gum dominating fashion again. Kyle Larson now has the potential to reach double-digit wins, which is something that has not been done since Jimmy Johnson's championship season. Uh, back in 2007, another interesting thing that came from yesterday that I didn't even think about was that he could potentially set the record for most laps led in a 36-race season. NASCAR went to the 36-race cup schedule back in 2001. Jeff Gordon led the, led set the record that very season, which, of course, was his last championship season. Kyle Larson is only 54 laps away from that mark with three races to go, including a 500-mile race at Martinsville in two weeks. I think it's a matter of if and not – I think it's a matter of when and if not if he's going to get this record as well. Well, I'm not even being funny. He may do it in stage one at Kansas. Honestly. I mean, the way he runs on mile and a half, why not, you know? And, and that, that's the thing, too, is he's now won at Texas, obviously, so he's going to lock himself into Phoenix. And I know, you know, they say, oh, you know, now they can just focus everything on Phoenix and they don't have to worry about Kansas – don't have to worry about Martinsville. Yes, they're already locked in, so they don't have to worry about getting eliminated. He can still go out and win both of these races, and he's most likely going to be a factor in both these races. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, he could very well have 10, 11 wins by the end of this year. Yeah, I loved, I loved his answer when, when they asked him that, you know, hey, can you just cruise home these next two weeks? And he was like, no. I mean, we still, I mean, sure, it makes you feel better you're locked in, but, you sure. know, we've still got – two more trophies out there to be had and we want to win both of them well i was gonna say what we've learned about kyle larson over these past couple of years is the dude just loves to race and he loves to win why does he run dirt cars in podunk towns on wednesday nights because he likes to win and that's what he usually does so now you tell him you can go to kansas a mile and a half where he's been phenomenal this year saying okay just go out there and get the trophy done yeah yeah so um but I, as far as the championship goes, like, look, we knew he was already going to be in it. I don't think it's a surprise to anybody. Now what becomes interesting is who the other three contenders to make it into Phoenix are. Because I think what we thought at the beginning of the playoffs, really what we thought before this round, round of eight even started, I think has changed a little bit because we saw some surprising things on Sunday. Yeah. 
Yeah, where did where did Brad Keselowski's speed come from? Penske as a whole, minus Joey Logano, we'll get to that in a minute. Penske as a whole was my winner on Sunday because their entire team showed good speed. And again, you know, Logano had the engine let go. Brad Keselowski was a serious threat to win this race the entire day. And that's something that we've not seen out of him at all this year, minus, of course, the one race that he won at Talladega. Ryan Blaney hung around the top five. He's sitting very, very comfortably going into these next couple races. Um, so Team Penske, while, again, they haven't shown that race-winning speed all year, talked about they've just been quietly consistent through the playoffs, and here they are, two races to go to decide who's going to make the Final Four. And they got two drivers in very, very good position. Yeah. Yeah, I, great position, I would say. I mean, like you said, with Blaney, he's got to feel great going, you know, to another mile and a half this week mm-hmm. and then going to Martinsville. You know, he's got to feel good about that. Right. And I think, you know, the Martinsville, obviously, where the equipment isn't as important and, you know, the horsepower and the downforce don't come into play as much. You know, Ryan Blaney, very good at Martinsville. Brad Kozlowski's won at Martinsville multiple times. Joey Logano, also very good at Martinsville. So, I'm going to hold out that at least one of these Penske cars makes it into the final four. Now I did pick, uh, I believe, I believe I picked Joey Logano to make the final four. Um, So he's going to have to go out there and win one of these next two races, but it's certainly not outside the realm of possibility. And with the speed they showed at Texas, you know, could they be a factor this weekend at Kansas? Maybe so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look no farther than what happened last year when he got into the fight. I mean. Uh, and, And Hendrick Motorsports, kind of similarly similarly to what happened last week as well was kind of a split tail between the five and the 24 and the nine and the 48. So the five and the 24 were the class field, the entire race at Texas. Honestly, I think the 24 may have actually had a better car. Of course, dirty gear wasn't able to get past Kyle Larson. You know, we've read that story a million times, but then there was the nine and the 48 and the 48 ended up getting caught up in a wreck early. So, you know, we can kind of discount that a little bit. The nine car has the pre-race penalty, as is tradition. So you're like, okay, well, they're going to be up there fighting for the win, you know, by the end of this race. And he made it up into the top ten fairly quickly. And they didn't have a vibration, uh, I believe it was in stage two, that caused them to pit a little bit early. But even once he got back on sequence with everybody, he just didn't have the speed that his two teammates had. And that's very odd, considering for a lot of the season this year, when Kyle Larson was up there dominating, it was Chase Elliott that was right behind him. And now in this run to a potential championship, uh, it's suddenly William Byron. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing that's strange is I know Alex Bowman's got the three wins this year. Congratulations. But he's always been that. He always, to me anyways, maybe you agree, maybe you disagree, but I've always felt like he was the fourth fastest car out of that bunch. And I, I think it was one A and one B with, with William or with, Larson and Elliott, and then you have William Byron running a close second. And then it was like a fall off to Bowman. Um, but it's it's like you've switched now. It's like, I don't know, just Chase hasn't been, I don't want to say great. I mean, you don't have to be great in the playoffs to continue to advance, but, sure. you know, competition runs well. You know, it's just, it's been a very odd playoffs for him. Obviously, the, the incident with Harvick and all that's been a, a big storyline. It was a storyline yesterday. Um, but it's just when it's just been a weird playoffs. But I mean, look, you've got two more races to put it together. It's not a must win, but you know, you've, I don't know, you're getting close to the point now. And, you know, I think back to where we were a year ago with a couple races to go and, 
yeah, Chase Elliott was in the round of eight, but I don't think anybody looked at him and said, yeah, that guy's definitely going to win the championship. Then he goes out there and wins the final two races and wins the championship. So we could very well be in for that. And again, I guess in the grand scheme of things, the 550 races aren't as important at this point in the season. Now, yes, they're important for the fact that you want to put yourself in good position. And of course, winning uh, locks you in. But if you had to if you had to decide, okay, do I want to be good on 750 tracks or I want to be good at 550 tracks in the final four races of the season, of course you're going to pick 750. So I don't know if they've got something special ready for Martinsville and potentially Phoenix, but, um, you know, if, if they end up showing the same speed that they showed at Texas at Kansas next week, they're going to have to go into Martinsville in a must-win scenario because as of right now, Chase Elliott is minus eight from the cut line. Yeah. This was a comment I was going to get you to maybe give your opinion or, or what you think it means. but. Um, you know, I think it was Steve Latart at the very end of the race alluded to the fact that, you know, now that Larson's advanced, you know, maybe they can put all their energy into the nine car the next two weeks. What, what did he, what did he mean by that? I didn't really understand that. Um, I, I think the, the, cause I, I know what you're talking about. I heard him say this. I, I think what he would mean is, okay, the five cars locked in. So now for Kansas and Martinsville, you know, since again, they don't, you know, Collars can't get any more playoff points, can't get any more advantages to help him at Phoenix. Like, okay, does, you know, Cliff Daniels share his notebook with Alan Gustafson? Like, because of course, Kyle Larson dominated at Kansas in the spring. He should have won that race. You know, we had the late, you know, cautions and all these restarts and stuff that ended up um, providing the opportunity for Kyle Bush to win. But, you know, it's Cliff Daniels going over and saying, okay, Alan Gustafson, here's what we did. Here's why we were so good there in the spring. You know, use this setup. Same thing for Martinsville as well. And Chase won Martinsville last year. So theoretically, they should have that place figured out. But, you know, is there something that the five team knew that the 24 team maybe even knew that, you know, could help the nine team out? I don't see that because while I guess as an organization, you would want as many of your cars represented in the final four as possible. That's my teammate. And I know how good that equipment is. I don't want to have to race for a championship at Phoenix. You know, and well, Kyle, Kyle Larson would never admit it, but he probably doesn't want to have another Hendrick car in the final four at Phoenix because he knows how good that car is going to be there. Well, that, that's – okay, so that's – okay, so we're on the same page a little bit because that was kind of my thinking was if you're – I mean, I get you work for the same organization and, sure. and look, you could – if you have a all, you know, Hendrick final four, that'd be amazing. But it's like yeah. – but at one time it's like, like you said, you know how good that equipment is. He's the defending champ. He won the race there last year. Why would you want him having a shot at it? So I, know, I just thought it was weird. I, I just thought it was weird. But I mean, I understood it at the same point in time. It, it didn't make much sense. And, and and going back to what you were saying about Kyle Larson, basically going out ch- chasing trophies these next two weeks. I also heard, heard a clip from uh, Cliff Daniels after the race yesterday. I think it was Gluck asked him about, oh, you know, you know, how, how do you. Um, you know, what's your message to your guys these next couple of weeks? And he says, honestly, they're probably not going to be happy with me, but I'm going to tell them we're going to go out and win Kansas next week. So yeah. the mentality yeah. for anybody in the five team is going to change. Um, they're going to go out there and try and win races and whatever happens with the nine car happens. If they make the final four, great. Okay. Now we're going to be racing our teammate. If they don't, I mean, I still race for a championship. That's their main concern. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you know, team, team, racing is so interesting in the terms of the teammate aspect because in every other sport football baseball basketball whatever everybody's helping everybody out and everybody on the team is contributing to the team as a whole but racing is different in the fact that yeah you're on a team but you're also competing with everybody and i think 
a no better example of that is 2007 when Jimmy Johnson and Jeff Gordon are racing for the championship in the exact same shop at Hendrick Motorsports. So you may have been to Hendrick. Obviously, know you have one shop on one side and one shop at the other. The 24 and the 48 were in the same building together competing for the championship. They weren't sharing notes. They were trying to do everything they could to outdo the other one. And I think it's going to be a similar situation with the nine and the five. Yeah. Yeah, it would be – I mean, look, I obviously want Chase to advance to the Final Four. I think it would be an interesting battle just within the – yeah, I don't know. I believe at one point in time there were three. Was it in 2018 that – or 2019 that um, Gibbs had three cars? Yeah, you had Bush, Trex, and uh, Hamlin all yeah, I mean, before. And it just – it was always about that teammate dynamic, you know. So, I don't know. It would be interesting to watch. Yeah, certainly. Um, and again, Chase is only eight points below the cut line. That can be made up in stages. That can obviously be all undone with the win. Um, but if you wrecks out, then he goes into a, a Martinsville and must-win scenario. So a lot of things can fluctuate uh, over these next couple of races. A lot of things fluctuated on Sunday as well because when you go into Texas, I think we've come to know what to expect out of these 550 races. It's going to be long green flag runs. I still don't think we should be running 500 miles of Texas. It's just, it's too much. This race took almost four hours yesterday. Yeah. Um, so long green flag runs, you know, you're going to have green flag pit stops. You know, maybe somebody spins out, but, you know, you're kind of going to get your standard stage caution. And then, of course, you have the competition caution because we're not doing practice and qualifying. I was very surprised by the litany of decent sized wrecks that we saw and the um, onslaught of late race restarts that really jumbled the order of this finish up. Yeah. Yeah, really had an impact on it. It definitely, and, and the, look, we've talked about the package plenty, and we won't harp on it too much here, but one thing that we know is consistent with these 550 races is guys having almost too much control over their cars, where they don't break loose very easily. You know, when they get sideways, they save it really easily. That wasn't really the case on Sunday. You know, I look at Martin Trex Jr.'s wreck with, Daniel Suarez in three and four, and he gets a little bit sideways and then shoots up the track straight into the wall. I was like, that's not really a wreck that we've seen in 550 races in a couple of years. What happened with Anthony Alfredo, uh, I believe it was the 14 car they got in the back of him. Like, most of the time we see these guys save these cars, but they were kind of on the edge Sunday, which was kind of cool to see. Right. So um with all those wrecks uh, pretty much almost every playoff driver remaining had some sort of problem i had to write it all down here so i mentioned martin Trex jr um for one he got no stage points um which is obviously a problem and then he ends up getting involved with the wreck with the 99 um to relegate him to where did he end up finishing he ended up finishing way down there in 25th place so for martin Trex jr he goes in to kansas now at minus 22 which again it's not insurmountable. You can make up a lot of that with stage points. And, of course, winning the race gets you in, locked in no matter what. But I don't think this is a position this team was expecting to be in uh, at this point in the round of eight, especially considering the wins they have and the playoff points they carried into this round. Yeah. Yeah, it was – I mean, obviously it was a, a tough wreck for him. I mean, it, um, all I was thinking was – I bet he's glad that they wrecked earlier in the race. And like you said, he finished 25th instead of 35th. Mm -hmm. uh, Joey Logano mentioned him with um, the blown engine. He ended up finishing 30th. And surprisingly, that was his first blown engine since 2014. And blown engines are something we don't see a whole lot of anymore. 
you know, for one reason or another. I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily know if that's due to the tapered spacer or just the engine technology has gotten that good to where we don't see it anymore. But especially for a team like Team Penske in a critical race like this, that's a pretty big gaff on them to, to blow a motor and, you know, now put Logano in a must-win scenario for the next two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a, a rough decision. But, I mean, not a decision, a rough, um, you know, start to their round of eight. But, look, we've seen Joey win at Kansas. We saw what he did a few years ago at Martinsville. So, if there's a guy you want to be aggressive, I think he's one of them. I was going to say, and Kansas, again, if Pinson Cars can show the speed that they showed yesterday, then he can certainly be a factor. But I really look at Martinsville as like, okay, short track, if – He's got nothing to gain but winning this race. You know, tell him to go out there and be aggressive. Joe Logano can be very, very aggressive, so that could be uh, certainly entertaining to watch. Yeah. One guy that got caught up in a couple of wrecks late in the race was actually Denny Hamlin, um, and he, re- he rebounded to finish uh, 11th. Now, in uh, stage three, he and Ryan Blaney made some contact. They ended up cutting his tire down. That put him towards the back of the pack, and then when uh, Chris Buescher spun out on the back straightaway, he ended up running into him, and uh, messing up the nose of his car they ended up rebounding to finish in the 11th spot like I said and uh, for Hamlin this is where those playoff points are so valuable because he's still plus nine going to this next round now again you know that's not a huge margin that's not necessarily comfortable but he's very good at Kansas we know he can win at Martinsville like as long as he minds his P's and Q's he should be okay yeah I mean you'd definitely rather be on the plus side of of things than below the cut line but yeah, they were. They did really well to rebound to finish eleventh. I mean, because they could have finished in the twenties as well. Yeah. Um, above that, Kyle Busch. Uh, he finished in the eighth position, and Kyle Busch. I was expecting him to have a little bit more speed. Uh, just from Joe Gibbs as a whole, didn't have a ton of speed on Sunday, which is a little bit surprising, especially considering how they've run at these type of tracks um, here lately. I mean, and Kyle Busch hung around the top ten. He was okay, um, but I certainly expect him a little bit more of a race winning contending car and he just didn't quite have that right um for him he's also above the cut line finds himself plus eight again Kyle Busch is obviously good everywhere so he's going to go back to a place in Kansas where he won um back in the spring so for them it's a little bit more of staying out of trouble make sure you get your stage points um and don't do anything to shoot yourself in the foot yeah Above Kyle Busch was Ryan Blaney finishing in the sixth position. Um, and similar to Brad Keselowski and Joe Logano running up front uh, for pretty much the entire race, hung around the top five most of the day. Now, they did have a little bit of a scare um, with a vibration that occurred, or not a vibration, a sputtering. He said the car sputtered in stage three and then just it stopped um, and never heard anything else from that again. So that was. You know, if I'm Penske, I'm looking into the engines this week because you clearly have something going on between Logano's blown motor and whatever happened with Ryan Blaney. So they ended up coming out of that okay, again, a sixth-place finish. And for him, I think he was the big winner of the weekend besides Larson, of course, because he's now plus 17 above the cut line. Um, so maybe he's the poor Penske guy. That he, maybe he's the Penske guy that can get himself in the final four. Yeah, I mean, right now it looks that way for sure. So it's going to be interesting going to Kansas. Kansas is probably my favorite intermediate track as far as the 550 races have gone because consistently put on uh, a good show, minus, of course, what happened last year between, um, you know, uh, Kevin Harvick and Joey Logano. But 
I'm optimistic. I'm more excited going into that than I was going to Texas. But again, I think overall this Texas race was surprisingly pretty good. Yeah, I mean, there, obviously there's there's issues everywhere with this package running running down the leader and eventually making a pass by them because you know clean air is king. But I thought through the pack, I thought I thought the racing was really good. Yeah, and I think looking at the temperature and the conditions, it was kind of unseasonally cool for Fort Worth, I think, um, compared to, you know, like the 90 degrees we had there, or like 100 degrees, actually, we had there back in the summertime. Um, so I think the track, and look, we know this package race is a lot better when it's cool and cloudy. So I think NASCAR really lucked into just having good weather conditions um, that contributed to what this package needs. Um, and again, we're not going to harp on it and complain about it too much. We've done that for the entire length of this podcast because it started beginning of 2019. We got one more 550 race with the next-gen car, and then we're going to next year. Yeah, they're still going to run the same horsepower, and the spoiler is going to be the same. But these cars are going to be so different next year. I don't know what the racing is going to look like, and we're not going to know until we get to the Las Vegas in the spring. So I just – I don't know. I feel like complaining about it more right now isn't going to do anything because everything's about to change all yeah. over. Exactly, exactly. And I, I didn't bring up this point last week, but – Something um, I thought about with, um, you know, keeping the 550 for next year and everything. Do you remember the 2019 All-Star Race when they made tweaks to the 550 package? They put the air, they put the vents in the hood, and they uh, had the middle part of the splitter raised up to a little bit of air in the car. And the racing was significantly better because of that. Those were two mm. very, very minor changes that helped out a lot. Now, I wish we would have maybe implemented those changes going forward, but essentially both those things are going to be on the next-gen car. So that gives me a lot of hope that this is going to fix a lot of the deficiencies that we've seen because, again, go back to what happened on, um, in yesterday's race. Kyle Larson had a great car. I think William Byron's car could have been a better car. He just never had the opportunity to get around and kept getting stuck in the dirty air. If you can make it where this – faster car in second place can pass the leader you've eliminated a lot of the problems we've had over the past three years like that's significant yeah. difference um not to mention yeah. cars being able to race around each other in, in, in traffic and stuff like that um i'm not saying that's what's going to happen but i have a lot of hope and optimism for what the next gen car is going to bring at these intermediates yeah i do as well and for what it's worth as of next year there's only going to be 12 550 races out of 36 races in the season um Looking forward to 2023, we know Auto Club's going to go down to a short track, so that brings it down to 11. So this has now become only a third of the schedule. Like, I can I can live with that a little bit more than when it was half the schedule. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, most definitely. I'm, I'm trying to be glass half full instead of glass half empty. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did have some other racing, and speaking of glass half empty, dang it, Hemrick, almost. Yeah, you know, it's just – and that's what's frustrating. I, mean, I guess if you're going to get outran by somebody there at the end, outran by your teammate, but it's so frustrating because it's like, because I didn't get to watch it live, but I was getting, uh, I just checked Twitter every once in a while and I was yeah. like, is today the day? Is today? I'm going to miss it. It's today the day, though, but I have to wait for another week. It is his 10th career second place finish in the Xfinity series without winning the race. And what made it more infuriating, he had four tires. Dan, or um, uh, John Ernie or took two tires late, which put him ahead of Hendrick. It's like, okay. And for the Xfinity series, their tires were wearing pretty significantly. It's like, okay, he's going to pass him, right? Like, this is 
it's going to happen. And it didn't. And John Hunter Nemechek goes on to win the race. Great for John Hunter Nemechek, by the way. But, like, how many ways is Daniel Hemrick going to find to lose a race? Notably to teammates, because, of course, he was going to win at Atlanta, ends up getting turned by Kyle Busch. And then his other teammate, John Hunter Nemechek, takes two tires and beats him at Texas. Yeah. Yeah, it's just bad. It's like, instead of bad luck, Brian, it's like bad luck. Daniel it really is and it gets so hard to defend somebody like that because again I think he's very talented and if you look at what he's done in short track racing over the years he's one of the best in recent memory at doing all that but it's like if you can't translate it to wins in NASCAR you know it becomes harder and harder to argue in your favor yeah yeah and what this does for uh with John Hernimacek winning this race in the 54 car this means that at least two guys are going to get into Phoenix on points for the Xfinity Series Championship, which I, I think changes a whole lot of things um, because now it's still kind of anybody's ball game of who's going to make it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's the thing is, you know, I'm sure that there were several guys that were, you know, left in the round of eight right now that are like, I'm glad he won over Daniel Hemrick because I'm sure that the Noah Gregson, you know, Harrison Burton, guys like that are like, I mean, I can point myself in over this guy. And, and obviously, Almendinger and Sinjic have been the two dominant guys this entire season. They find themselves plus 30 and plus 26 over the cut line, respectively. But, man, if they go out there and wreck early in Kansas, one of them or both of them, man, suddenly they can find themselves below the cut line. That's what I mean. It's still yeah. very much anybody's ballgame when you don't have anybody um, locked into the round of uh, – locked into the championship race. And – it's very likely that Ty Gibbs could go out there and win the 54 car this weekend at Kansas, which would mean at least three guys are getting into the championship race on points. So it's still uh, – nobody is going into Kansas this weekend feeling very comfortable in the Xfinity Series. No, you can't because one mistake and now you've got to go win Martinsville. So, and you know what's really, really funny thinking about this? And we'll obviously get to our picks a little bit here. Uh, Brandon Jones is still in. He's in the round of eight. He's won two out of the last three races at Kansas. Could you imagine if he locked himself into the championship for this weekend? Yeah, for real. That is uh that 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 is that is the right amount of chaos that I I don't know. I I'd 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 find that pretty funny. That would indeed make it the best season ever. Absolutely. Uh, we'll get to our picks for Kansas in a moment. We do have a little bit of news to talk about since we're on the topic of the Xfinity race. We'll start with John Hernimacek. I was almost certain he was going to go to the Joe Gibbs Racing Xfinity Series team next year. He obviously to have Hemrick leaving, have Harrison Burton going up Cup Series. That leaves the right amount of seats open, but he's decided to stay with Kyle Busch Motorsports. And the number four truck may be defending a championship this year. Um, you know, and we, we know why he went down in the truck series, because he was running for front row. Kyle Busch said, you can either run 25th every week you come down here and win races and doing that put him in a position to make his way back to the cup series eventually driving for joe gibbs maybe driving for 23 11 racing um and i guess i can respect taking it one step at a time but i think and he obviously proved he can win in the xfinity series again this second career win on um saturday i just think it's 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 odd to me that he wouldn't take this opportunity to go ahead and jump up the Xfinity series. Again, he could have a championship in a couple of weeks in the truck series. Um, it feels like maybe a second year in trucks wasn't um, not, not a, not a smart move, but a little questionable, I guess. Well, it's just, it's one of those, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, what I think of now is, okay, 
Well, Ty Gibbs is probably going to be in one of the, you know, he's probably going to be in the 18 next year. Yeah. Okay. Who are they going to, who else is going to fill the seat for them? Are they just not, I don't know. It's just like, it, like you said, it just made so much sense for, for John Hunter to step right into that car. And then when he announced he wasn't, it was kind of like, well, okay, whatever you do, you. I think the plan is to essentially have another one of those all-star type of cars where Christopher Bell, Denny Hamlin, Martin Shrex Jr. Kyle Busch says he's done. We'll see if that's still the case or not. Um, and I'm sure John Hernimacek is probably going to get a fair amount of races in that car. Um, but yeah, it just seemed like a really good opportunity for him to, uh, and not to mention the fact that Austin Sendrick is going to go to the Cup Series. Justin Haley is going to go to the Cup Series. So there's two serious championship contenders that are going to be gone next year, which opens the door for you to go up there and maybe win that championship too. Um, I don't know. And, and again, I, I don't feel like John Renemichek has anything else to prove in the truck series, even if he doesn't win the championship in a couple of weeks. He has shown on a consistent basis he is one of the best drivers out there, even when Kyle Busch is in the field. Yeah. Um, so I just feel like it would the, the next step going up the Xfinity series would have made a lot of sense. He didn't make that choice. He's still in the Toyota pipeline. I think he's still going to eventually end up replacing Martin Trex Jr. or maybe end up being a third 2311 car in a couple of years, something like that. So yeah. he's still on track, but it's just, I don't know, I, I thought he would move up next year. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting, but look, he, he's going to run, like you said, he may be defending a title next year. He may be running for one. I mean, he'll definitely be in the running for one, but um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Uh, speaking of 2311 racing, and I know we talked about this a little bit on last week's show, this where you recorded so late in the week, um, but it looks like the deal that they had with Front Row Motorsports to obtain one of their charters has fallen through. Front Row is going to retain their charters and have uh, two cars again next year. And uh, this puts 2311 in an interesting spot because, again, the season ends in like three weeks. And, you know, most of these things are figured out before the end of the year. Um, so now 2311, as of now, does not have a charter for Kurt Busch's second car. Now, would they have the speed to go out there and make every single race next year? Absolutely. Where this comes into play, though, is the money, because charter yep. teams get more in guaranteed payouts than open teams do. Um, yep. So, again, and Kurt Busch could go out there and compete for wins on a week-in, week-out basis, he'd still be making significantly less than what the other charter cars are. So, I... I feel like they'll figure something out, whether it's buying one off Rick Ware or something like that. But as of now, uh, Kurt Busch does not have a charter secured for next year. And this team's obviously fully sponsored. They're ready to go. Um, they just have to figure out this little detail before uh, Daytona. Oh, it's a big, It's not a little detail. It's a big detail. I mean, and you could even – I mean, Denny Hamlin was, you know, frustrated. Uh, he used a couple of expletives. We won't repeat on here. Um but, I mean, it, it would be frustrating. You think you've got a deal and you've got this perfect scenario and, and things fall through, and, and now you've got to go to plan B. So um, it'll be interesting to see kind of what comes out of that. I'm interested to see because there's, of course, the rule that NASCAR put in place for the charter system that if one team consistently finishes in the bottom three in the charter standings, NASCAR has the ability to revoke their charter. And I don't remember which card is. One of the Rick Ware racing cars has the potential to finish bottom three for the third year in a row. Um, not, not, is it bottom three or last? One of those. Either one. I think it's bottom three. I think it's bottom three. Either way, one of the Rick Ware cars, and again, they have 
50 different cars with 50 different numbers. So I don't remember which one it is, but one of them is in position to do that in a couple of weeks. Now, again, NASCAR did not say we will revoke your charter. They just said we have the opportunity to. And when you look at the factors at play here, you have one of the most famous athletes in the entire world. You have one of your most successful cup drivers right now that own this team that are bringing in a veteran driver in Kurt Busch who's going to compete for wins. He's going to be in the conversation for a championship. NASCAR does things that are in the best interest of NASCAR. If this is the case where you can revoke a charter from Rick Ware Racing, it will be in the best interest of NASCAR to do that to ensure that Kurt Busch has one for next year. Yeah, it, you almost have to. So, and I don't know what the legal proceedings of that is. I don't know if Rick Ware could take him to court over it. I, I don't know. That's to be determined. But if NASCAR can figure out a way to help 2311 racing out, it's going to help the sport as a whole. Oh, 100%. Uh, on better news, uh, we already know that William Byron is going to be at Hendrick Motorsports for a long, long time. Um, his sponsor is going to be around for a little bit longer. Uh, Liberty uh, University signed on a five-year deal to continue to be one of his primary sponsors. Um, you know, they've pretty much been with him all the way back to his K&N days. Heck, they probably sponsored him when he was in Legend Cars, too. Um, but it's been a consistent sponsor for him. Um, I do think it's funny that the university is going to continue to sponsor him when he's well into his 20s and almost 30 by that point in time. But that's neither here nor there. Money is money, a sponsor is a sponsor. And, um, you know, Hendrick Motorsports was hyping up a big sponsor announcement, and I would say this is pretty significant. Yeah. Well, the, the key is the five years. I mean, just in the day and age the sport is right now, I mean, I guess Logano and Pennzoil was the kind of the last one that had like a, what I call a mega deal, I guess. Yeah, I think they signed so, through 23 and like 2018 or something like that. So I want to believe it was a seven-year deal. For whatever reason, seven stuck out to me. Maybe it wasn't um, long ago. I, I do know it felt like a, I was like, wow, that's a really long time for now. We're almost two years away from that. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, these longer term deals, especially for like, um, you know, a sponsor that sponsors me races the primary as much as Liberty University does, that is, that's pretty significant. Yeah. It's a huge commitment. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, we, we talked about this last week, of course, Byron got eliminated from the playoffs, but just the speed that they've shown this year. And look at these last two weeks. He's been in conversation to win both these races. Very well could have had both the best car in both those races, for argument's sake. Just ended up coming up a little bit short on Sunday. Had the run-in with uh, Tyler Reddick last weekend at the Roval. But, man, William Byron is getting red hot at the right time. And I think 2022 is going to be a very big year for him, for him and the 2014. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, all right. Well, with that, let's move on to Kansas. Have three more races left in this season, two more races in the round of eight for both the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series. The trucks don't return until Martinsville the next weekend. It'll be like a month off for them. Um, but two, two series in action this weekend. We'll start off with the Xfinity Series, who, again, do not have anybody locked into their final four yet. Does somebody lock in at Kansas on Saturday? Yes. And it's Austin Cindric. Okay. They've got it. They have not been to Victory Lane since August at the Indy Road Course. Um, you know, it's not that they've ran poorly. It's just, you know, the early season success, you know, what he did last drive the defending champ. Um, you, you had high expectations for that team. And over the past two, three months, they really haven't, you know, hit those expectations. But, 
you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in momentum. And I think that if you can get a win this weekend, not have to worry about going to Martinsville other than just go out and get a win. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'd be huge going into the final two races of the season. So um, I'm going to roll with Cindric. I like chaos. I think chaos is going to play a factor this weekend as well, because the 54 car is going to go back to victory lane once again, this time with Ty Gibbs. So the Xfinity series will go to Martinsville with nobody locked into the championship race. How's that sound? That would, yeah, that would be hectic. Under the cup series who do have somebody locked in the championship race. Of course, that is Kyle Larson. Kyle Busch won at Kansas back in the spring. Larson had a dominant car there. Um, when you look at everybody that's still left in this race, you can make an argument that all these guys are good at Kansas. So with one guy already locked in, you know, and again, he's going to be chasing the trophy no matter what. These seven other guys got to be looking at this like, okay, here's my chance. Yeah. I don't think anybody gets it done, though. I'm going to go with a non-playoff driver. Okay. A guy you just, a guy you just hyped up for me. Um, I love the way William Byron and that team are, are, are running right now. I get they're not running for a championship, but um, you could even tell at his post-race interview yesterday, you know, it was, you know, Rudy, the team, and I, like, we're not just, you know, we're not, yeah, we're bummed we're not racing for a championship. But that doesn't mean we can't go out here and, and you know, build on these next three races and, and get a head start on 2022. So I think it starts this weekend. I think that Byron gets the job done. Call me prisoner of the moment. I, again, was very impressed with what I saw to the Penske cars on Sunday. Who's been the best Penske car this year? Ryan Blaney. I'm going to yeah. go with Ryan Blaney getting his fourth win of the year and locking himself into the championship four on Sunday. Yeah. How cool would it, I, I was actually thinking about this when they were showing Todd Gordon on the box. Obviously, he's going to retire at the end of the year. But how yeah. cool would it be not only to send him out with the championship, okay, mm-hmm. but – but to go back-to-back championships with Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney, you know, two young guns of the sport. I, I mean, it's just it, – it's, uh, it's shaping up to be a really, really interesting final few weeks. Oh, absolutely. And we're kind of – it's interesting that you say that because we're at this, like, transition point now with, okay, Gen 6 is coming to an end. Here comes the next-gen car. You know, the schedule's changed a whole bunch. Like, we're finally, like – and. It's funny to me because we go back three, four years ago, you know, 2017, 2018, when they were trying to promote it's young guys versus veterans, but the young guys weren't winning that much. It was still Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, these guys consistently winning races. That's now shifted. Kyle Larson's not 30 years old yet. Chase Elliott's won a championship. Ryan Blaney's winning a lot of races now. Byron, Bowman, all these guys are really stepping up and showing themselves to be these true, like, race-winning and championship-contending drivers. Um and now, again, as we make this transition into the next-gen car, like, this is the future of the sport that's going to carry us for the next 15 to 20 years. And it's good to see them all really rising to the occasion and uh, running up front week in and week out. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, fu- it's funny to – in the you know, obviously the past handful – past three weeks, I guess it is, with Harvick and Chase Elliott, it's interesting to, you know, hear – think back on the comments that Harvick had. But, mm-hmm. you know, what he said Chase a handful of years ago was right until he starts consistently winning, you can't take this sport by storm. Yep. You can't do it. And now, like you said, Chase has, Blaney has, Larson. Everybody's like, well, Larson's 50 years old. Yep. He's been around for a minute, but he's still a young dude. So, um, you know, that's the thing is, is when these guys retire in the next 
few years, you know, Truex, Harvick, Denny, guys like that. The sport's in good hands. It, it really is. Well, and I, I don't know. To me, I appreciate the fact that just, you know, because look, all these guys are great in trucks. All these guys are great in Xfinity. And I can appreciate the fact that these guys don't come in and start winning five, six races, you know, in their cups, in their cup rookie year. You know, Cole Custer won a late restart at, K at Kentucky last year. What's he done since then? Nothing. Right. You know, Chase Briscoe right. had a shot to win at the Indy Road Course. What's he done since then or before then? Pretty much nothing. Like, you have to come into the Cup Series and you have to earn it. You have to learn how to race in the Cup Series. You have to learn how to race these veteran guys. And I can appreciate the fact that when even a, a, a highly chatted prospect like a Kyle Larson, like a Chase Elliott, they got to come in and they got to figure it out for a few years. So when they finally yeah. do, then it's more appreciated and more respected. Like, okay, they paid their dues. They're now race, winning races. They're now competing for championships. Um, and it, we're just at the point where we have a good mix of these guys at that young mm -hmm. age reaching that same potential. Yep. So sports in good hands. Yep. All right. Well, it's off to Kansas this weekend, and uh, then we only have two more races to go to uh, decide the 2021 season. Yeah, it's almost here. So for Dalton Mullinex, I'm Tyler Head. Thanks so much for listening. The Upspeed Podcast, we'll catch you next time.